guys. Welcome to the Atlas Podcast, episode 21. We are of drinking age now, so that's exciting. Um, oh my God, this is episode 21. It is. We were supposed to, I wanted to get like sponsors and I wanted to get drunk during this episode. <laughs> that, that wasn't even like a weird dream. That's what I wanted. Maybe we could do that for like our over the hill episode. <laughs> Oh, no. I like what, what episode is that? Yeah. I don't know. 30, 40, somewhere. I don't know what's considered the hill. I think it's 40? I don't know. I, I'm not actually sure. But. Yeah, me neither. Me neither. Um, anyways, my name is Emma Loggins, editor-in-chief at FanBolts, and my amazing co-host is back. <laughs> Who's already interrupted your amazing introduction. Hello, I'm Jakai Mickelson <laughs> with Atlanta Movie Tours. And uh, we've missed you greatly. Uh, I've had Maddie Ryan fill in for the last few, and and he was a good he was a good co-host, but he wasn't as good as you. <laughs> I missed you. I th- well, I thought I thought uh, the second go around, I thought I thought he 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 really came up. I don't know. I, I enjoyed uh, it was it was yeah. interesting listening to to the show, but uh, it was I thought he did a great job. I'm not going to take anything he away did. from him. He's a hero and a legend. <laughs> He is. He is. Um, well, I know that um, people have kind of been following everything online, and I wanted to kind of, you know, catch up with you and everything that's been going on with you and your amazing wife and your lovely little one. So uh, bring us up to speed. Well, first, I just want to say uh, thank you for saying all the nice things that you said last week. And also, in true Atlas form, uh, you mispronounced his name, which is perfect. I actually I actually enjoyed that a great deal. His name is Zax. His name is Zax. Z A X. And Zax. he's awesome. Gotcha. Yeah. Not Zach. Zax. Well, Zax. see that's just that's perfect right. that it's I It's like Max I with a with a Z. Up his yeah. name. No, but gotcha. honestly I loved it. Like like when you said it, I was like, "Oh, that's so perfect. I'm so glad she messed up his name." <laughs> that's that's the way it should be. It's the Atlas after all. <laughs> Or as they call it here, the Utlas. I don't know. Um, there you go. But yeah, I'm I'm a little punchy. But we we've uh, we are still actually. This is probably the first ever podcast hosted from the NICU or co-hosted, I should say, from the NICU at Eggleston uh, Hospital, Children's Hospital out here uh, near Decatur. Um, but we're here, me and my wife Mandy and Zach are all in in the sound booth, as it were, because right now the sound booth is our hospital room. But uh, little Zax is improving greatly. Um, he's he's almost nearly completely off oxygen, and uh, he's drinking out of a bottle. So I mean, it's been a long. He was born on the fifth. Here, I'll just I'll just give like a quick synopsis of basically what happened. He was born on the fifth, and unfortunately, his first breath was filled with meconium, um, and that's really just a fancy word for poop. It basically means he pooped while he was in there. Um, and just kind of breathed a lot of it in in his super important first breath. Um, and unfortunately, it was so much that just putting on a respirator wasn't enough. So he had, had to go to like full tilt. Um, and he was connected to a machine called ECMO, which is not a machine I'd ever heard of before, which, which basically outsourced his lungs for like 110 hours, I think, to give his lungs a chance to recuperate but it was weird it kind of like outsources part of his cardiovascular system it was insane it's like the most wow. science fictiony thing i've ever seen but um pul- pulmonary hypertension is basically what the fundamental thing was that that happened but uh the magic is um he's made a freaking amazing comeback 
Um, it doesn't look like he's like the pulmonary hypertension. There's like not even a sign of it at this point. And I don't know if nurse is here or blowing, blowing smoke or, or kind of like, you know, going a little bit over PR on the Disney, but, uh, they're saying he's done better coming off the ECMO than any other baby they've seen. So it's just, it's, it's been amazing, but, but we're, we're very excited to take him home because <laughs> he was born on the fifth and it's, geez, it's the 23rd now. So it's day 18. But again, the super positive is is that we are totally out of the danger zone, um, at least in regards to that. And now he's just being a baby who's just on a little bit of support. And 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 yeah, so so that was that's that's where we are. It was it nothing went as planned. I can tell you that, not a thing. Aww. Yeah, but uh, he's here and he's awesome. But of course, any dad's going to say that. But uh, he's he's. <laughs> He's a little lion heart after what he's been through, and he's just, yeah. I don't know. He's, uh, for, for now, he'll be my hero. I don't know if that's possible to have a two-week-old hero, but he's mine. Aw, well, that's amazing, and I'm so glad that he's doing better and that you guys are kind of in the, the home stretch of all of this. You're going to come home soon. Oh, my gosh, yes, yes. We're so, we're so antsy to not be here, and then hopefully we'll, our house will be done soon. So, yeah, we've just been like, I was actually laughing with somebody about like, wow, we're because what's funny is while we've been at the hospital, they've been going through some renovations here, so we were kind of in a temporary holding zone until they could move us to another room, to another room, you know. And it's like, again, if we were like... um in the movie uh, why do I always forget Manny what's the name of the movie like the dream inside of a dream inside of a dream Inception Inception for the love of God sorry um, but it's like Inception right like where, where you're in a dream inside of a dream inside of a dream we've been like in transition inside of transition inside of transition because you know when this uh-huh. is all done we're not going home we're going to where we've been staying even though it's a much better version of home than a hospital right anyway so yeah this I, again I, like I certainly don't want to sound like complaining Nelly but it's been a hell of a ride. And I'm telling you, given the ride we've been on, we are in the best possible position we could be in, given the ride. So. Oh, I'm so glad. I'm I, so glad. You guys have been in my constant thoughts. And I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled that you guys are in the home stretch of it all. Oh, my goodness. Yes. We need to get some theme music together. And again, I will go back to the beginning. I am super bummed that this couldn't be the Drinkfest 21st episode. It should have been. <laughs> That's all right. We'll we'll make it up. We'll make it happen. <laughs> nice. Um, yeah. So uh, lots of stuff has been going on, and um, I've got my notes scattered out all over the place. We're kind of in the home stretch of things before Dragon Con. We'll have one more episode before Dragon Con. I cannot believe um, that's already but- here. My goodness. I know it's it's hard to believe it's like the summer just flew by and um, all of my costumes are getting in or all of the remaining pieces I needed for my costumes are getting in tomorrow so um, nice. I think the week after Dragon Con that not next week's episode but the following one's gonna be pretty awesome <laughs> so nice. well that's just a that's very exciting that. yes yes <laughs> um but yeah, just kind of an outline of what we have in store for you guys today. Um, wanted to talk a little bit about projects that are currently filming in Atlanta. And on that note, we also have um, two interviews from the Vampire Diaries uh, with the the show uh, creator EP, Julie Pleck, and uh, stars Paul Wesley and Candace King. And I did think that this was kind of appropriate with it being our 21st episode because, you know, drinking someone that 
seems like they may be drinking during an interview. <laughs> Paul Wesley sometimes seems like he's intoxicated when he's interviewed, and I don't necessarily... Well, he did say last year at Comic-Con when he sat down at our table that he had been drinking. So it, it, feel, it feels very appropriate for the 21st episode to Perfect. have this. Perfect. I like here. it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, of course, box office results, and then we have a review of Ben-Hur. Ooh, all right. I'm actually very curious yeah. to know how uh, how that was. I am very interested to talk about it. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> um, way to not give anything yeah, away, by the uh, way. Yeah, no, I have a lot to say on this one, and I haven't really had a, a good chance to talk about it yet, so I'm excited to to kind of just let it all... All of my critique come out. Nice. <laughs> so, nice. So stay tuned, um, fellow listeners. Exactly. Stay tuned. <laughs> um, but yeah, getting started with filming in Atlanta. Uh, so much is filming here right now. I printed off a list because I actually wanted to read all of the productions that are currently underway. And a few of these are actually in pre-production. Um, 24 is in pre-production. And um, where was my other one? Avengers Infinity Wars is in pre-production as well. Um, but aside from those two, we have Code of Many Colors 2, Darkest Minds, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, The Long Haul, Dead Silent, E-League, Family Feud, Fast 8 is on their final week of filming. I think they wrap uh, this coming weekend. Finding Steve McQueen, Lauren Lake's Paternity Court, uh, Little Women Atlanta, Life of the Party, Logan Lucky, Married to Medicine, MacGyver, Ozark, Real Housewives of Atlanta, Spider-Man, Daytime Divas, Stars, uh, Steel County, The Leisure Seeker, The Originals, Vampire Diaries, Walking Dead, Underground, Your Worst Nightmare, Yours, Mine, or Ours. So that is the list of everything that I have that is currently filming right now in the city or about to be filming in the city. Okay, well, that's, um, feels like a pretty short list. So, I, feel, I feel like you could have memorized yeah, that. I don't know short. why you needed a list for that. I don't know. What's you crazy know, sometimes. Is, is, is just with all that stuff, like how buried Walking Dead is. You know, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it just, in, in, in the context of that, it sounds like, oh, just another show. It's insane. It really is. And, of course, I mean, that's probably... Uh, well, I mean, around town, you see signs. The MacGyver signs are everywhere. Right. And literally every every corner you turn, there's a MacGyver sign. And uh, I think that one's probably been the most recognizable. I have seen Spider-Man, which their code name is C. So if you see a yellow sign with the letter C on it, that is for Spider-Man. And then there's a couple other ones that I've seen around town recently that I don't recognize. Um, so we're getting close to the end of the month, which means I'm going to be putting together all of the... Um, all of the, the code names and what's been spotted where and all that fun stuff to, to put up on FanBolt. So stay tuned for that. Um, but that's a little kind of summary of what we have going into the fall here in the city. Well, there's a lot of good stuff going on. And I, and I must admit, here at Eggleston, uh, Mr. Tom Holland stopped by, which was kind of cool because he was, uh, you know, seeing the kiddos and stuff. So I saw him yeah. for a moment wearing a backpack. I'm like, oh, there's the, the new Spider-Man guy. So that was kind of cool. I saw that. Yeah, I read an article about that, and I was actually going to ask you because I wasn't sure. Because there's like multiple branches of the children's hospital, right? It's not. Yeah. Or is but, it just the one? No, or? there's there's multiple branches. I mean, honestly, I only know I know floor two really well up the up the butterfly elevators. That's that's my <laughs> that's my area of expertise and the cafeteria. But there's like this weird kind of like sorry for the beeps. I am after all. In a hospital. Um, but there's like this weird little kind of um, like radio station 
that's in the one of the main uh, waiting areas. And when I first when we first came in here, I'm like, kind of what the heck is that? And then I guess they use it for appearances and stuff, and they'll have like a live feed that goes to the TVs out the hospital. So it was it was pretty cool. It was cool. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was, it was a nice always, thing to see. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's it's really cool when they take time to do that and are able to go around. I remember when Chris Pratt did it, and he he showed up in his Star Lord uniform, and it was just it was super cool. Yeah, yeah, he was not super, dressed like Spider Man. Cool. That would have been freaking cool, but you know, probably would have gotten in trouble. <laughs> Although you know, maybe he was because we saw it at the very tail end. We like our timing of leaving was horrible because we were leaving right when he was coming in. You know, and, uh, you yeah, know, maybe hadn't. Zach's probably isn't old enough to appreciate. Spider-Man just yet. Just Not yet. yet. Yeah. But you can tell him. You can tell him that he was there. <laughs> totally can. Totally can. <laughs> um, well, let's dive into our interviews with uh, the Vampire Diaries uh, uh, series EP, Julie Pleck. And one thing I want to kind of say before we, we dive into these, we're going into the last season of Vampire Diaries. And it's been really fascinating for me watching the evolution of um, social media and, and fandom specifically with this series because there's been a lot of good and bad with it. Um, bad in the sense that I have seen some of the worst cyberbullying related to um, specific fandoms or you know what what they call um, ships. If you if you're a fan of a certain pairing of characters, you you ship them. That's you're a shipper of you know um, Delena or of. Um, I'm trying to think of all the other ones there are. Um, Delane is one of the big ones, and, and Steriline or uh, Bayman, and it's kind of a combination of all of the characters' names. Um, but what's really interesting is it's just um, there's a lot of fans that have obviously been super supportive of the series, but there's so much controversy, or um, I don't even really know how to describe it, just certain fandoms in that space don't mesh well with other fandoms in that space. <laughs> and um, Julie Pleck has received kind of a lot of the backlash of that, you know, if she has a certain storyline happening with um, a certain couple on the show and it's not the couple that, you know, a, a certain group of fans want to see, they can get very verbally abusive online. Um, so it's it's been really interesting <laughs> to kind of see all of that come up through the Vampire Diaries and then see, you know, the characters and, of course, the, the show creator and everyone, you know, stand up and say that, you know, this is not okay. We all need to come together over the fact that we love something as opposed to trying to tear people down for it. Um, so I say all of this because I think this this next season when we're wrapping up all of these storylines and these characters are going to, you know, um, end up with whatever characters they're going to end up with. I think it's probably going to be a little bit scary in the world of Twitter. Oh, but um, <laughs> but um, all of that being said, um, the cast is amazing. And um, of course, the, the fans are amazing, too. You just sometimes you you have a you've got to have the bad with the good, I guess. Um, but I just wanted to say that kind of going into this because it's been interesting to watch. And it's also interesting when we were talking with Julie Pleck about, you know, where she's going to leave these characters and how much the fan influence will have as far as, um, you know, who the, the fans want various characters to end up with. Um, she kind of addresses all of that. So um, here is our interview with Julie Pleck from Comic-Con San Diego. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm sad. It's the last I'm sad, too. 
I'm sad. I'm excited. I'm happy. I'm nervous. But I am sad because it's been a big, big part of my life for a long time. When the fans are very vocal. Yes. So it's like, is there any sort of way to kind of try to make as many of them happy as possible? <laughs> know what you're going to do or how, how do you tackle that from it? I think when all is said and done and, you know, it's easier said than done, obviously, but the goal is not to try to make the fans happy because of some small thing they've latched onto that they consider important to them, but to make the experience resolve itself satisfyingly, to make sure that your characters are being true to themselves and true to each other, finding closure in relationships, letting, letting people come back together and be happy, um, answering those questions of like, where will these people be? You know, these are immortal beings. How long will they live and what will their life look like at the end you know and and really delivering on a good happy ending as much as that's even possible for each character so um, that's our our burden for the next you know six months is to figure that out but I we talk about it in the room all the time we get very emotional and it's very beautiful so I feel confident that we're going to deliver something that people are happy with even if their ship didn't necessarily you know go the way they wanted they they might still feel like they're grateful for having experienced the last eight seasons so what can you tease about this new evil that's like taking possession um, I can be, I can tease almost nothing um, simply because in, and if I were to explain to you the origin of who she is it would be very clear too quickly exactly what we were doing and so I'm going to let everybody kind of watch the first episode and figure that out um, but what's fun about it is she's what 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 <laughs> what's fun about it is she's creepy and crawly as we've seen she clearly has a firm hold on two of our beloved heroes and so she's definitely a force to be reckoned with uh, and there's a mystery surrounding her origins that dates back my god thousands and thousands and thousands of years what do you tease romantically for the characters well, romantically, we're we're in we're in good shape in that we've got a lot to play. You know, we've got Caroline and Stefan who finally have come together and have an opportunity to try to be happy, even though things, um, you know, are, around them are so chaotic and so distressing. They need each other now more than ever, so we get to really see what that relationship is going to look like. And Bonnie, of course, is going to great lengths to save um, not just her best friend Damon, but the love of her life, Enzo. And uh, she's not going to lose both of them, is she? Like that would be terrible <laughs> although it is the vampire diary so come to think of it that's still an option um, you know Alaric lost so much and has never been able to find love in a way that you know could be forever for him and so we're going to the end of the season so do we finally give that to him uh, or do we keep him for all eternity as the guy who's unlucky in love you'll have to see but the fun of it is because it's the last season we get to really deliver on relationships completely in a way that we've never been able to. Speaking of relationships, a lot of our fans want to know what season of the year that this season will take place in because people want Caroline to get her She's mentioned right back when in the pilot. Yes, it has been mentioned in the pilot. Um, I will say that we start the season in fall-ish so that we can be celebrating Christmas by Christmas. Um, so we'll just have to see if by February we get to June. I make no promises. <laughs> it is a final season, and it sounds like 
So if you're going to try to have some happy endings here and try um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's gonna be, there's gonna be hopefully as many surprises as we can pack into it. You know, we get to invite people back to come play with us. We get to, you know, if, if someone's dead, they're gonna stay dead. If someone, you know, if someone falls in love, they can get married. Like, there's, there's so much blessings as a storyteller and finality that we actually can do whatever we want. There won't be any crossovers because the timelines are separated, um, but that doesn't mean that we'll end the show without at some kind of at least acknowledgement of that shared universe. And then, of course, my hope is that the originals keeps going and going and going, and that we might see some of these characters end up over there one day. Well, and just on that point, Carol and Klaus have a relationship that's yeah. gone back and forth. So once the show ends, will we see that kind of relationship come to an end, or might Caroline? It's it's absolutely possible without without making promises that I can't deliver on. I think that you know Klaus did say he's the love of your life. I your first love of your life. I intend to be your last. A lot's happened between them between that statement and the end of this show, and a lot more will happen before the end of the originals. But it is not something that we have forgotten. You know um, whether we deliver on it or not, <laughs> I can't really say. But we are very much aware that that exists out there. So that was Julie Pleck, um, one of the coolest and uh, most creative ladies I've ever met um, in the in the television world. She's kind of CW's Shonda Rhimes, if you will. Um, she's had <laughs> yeah. so many shows on that network and um, just a super cool lady. And uh, and like I said, you know, before, um, I'm just I'm really impressed with all she's kind of done and, and her ability to kind of handle the the crazy fandom around the show. Well, th that was actually the thing that struck me. I must admit, I, I, Vampire Diaries, I've not ever watched. And, and if you like back in the day, I was always like, I used to say before Walking Dead was a thing, I was like, ah, I was never been into vampires, but I've always kind of like zombies, right? So it, it's funny that, and then for a while, like vampires were just, just it. It was just everywhere. So I, right. was, anyways, sure along, I was never a huge fan of the show, but I actually really appreciated watching her in the interview because I thought she handled everything so gracefully and everything. And and sometimes you just do want to tell people like, you know, it doesn't like she can do whatever she wants. She created the show. And, and, and I don't mean to throw anybody under the bus because it was a friend of yours who asked the question. But the question of will there be any surprises this season? Right. Is, is that a, is that a good question to ask somebody? I don't know. Just very well, powerful. You know what? Nothing, nothing to see um, this season. <laughs> it's going to be super boring, no surprises. Yeah. Yeah, um, it's just going to be yeah, dull. <laughs> it's, it's interesting in those interviews um, because we are, you know, um, you can actually see the videos of um, these interviews and all the others um, from Comic-Con up on FanVolt, uh, but they're roundtables. And so usually right. what happens is, you know, um, you'll get a question or two or maybe not any. And um, depending on how aggressive some of the other reporters there are. And it's... Um, and sometimes the questions are really not good. Like it's, um, there was one, and it's one of my favorite, one of my favorite uh, moments. It was so awkward. Um, and it's actually a perfect segue into uh, our next interview with uh, Paul Wesley and Candace King. Um, I was on a set visit for the show last November, and um, I won't say what publication, but there was a girl there with a magazine who is kind of more in the the kind of gossip space. Gotcha. And um, 
Paul Wesley, who, of course, plays Stefan on the show, has this this ring that he wears on the show that, you know, allows him to to be in the sunlight as a vampire. And it's, uh, you know, wears it in every every episode. And and she sees the ring and she asks what the ring is, like if it's an engagement ring, if it's she doesn't realize that it's a part of like his character. And so she's asking what what's the ring? And he just like he's like, are you serious? Like, uh, do you even watch the show and then he like goes in and he's laughing the whole time he's being a super good sport about it Uh, but it was just like it was so painfully awkward because it's like well clearly you know she'd never seen the show before and it was funny because that was our first interview of the day and she didn't stay around for any more interviews after that i think she she was crushed yeah yeah she was so embarrassed and it's um i you know so sometimes you have those those situations where you know, the person hasn't seen the show and they're there and they have to cover it. Or you just have reporters right. kind of operating off of stock questions. And right. um, and sometimes those stock questions are fair because, you know, they have talking points and they can't talk about things outside of the talking points. And you want to use your time wisely. So you ask, right. you know, um, like like with what I do, what can you tease in regards to the relationships for the season which, and, and which characters we're going to see together? Right. Um, which is something which, the, the fans want to know. Yeah, hearing that, I was like, see, that is the difference between, like, that's a question that gives her something to, to talk about, you know. Like, right. seriously, I was like, all right, see, that's a good question. But, like, are there any surprise? Are there going to be opening credits? Will, <laughs> will the opening credits include words of any kind? You know, like, why? why? Yeah, some, anyways, maybe I'm just it's a It's such an obvious Although, question. No, no, it's, that's, it's totally yeah. a fair point, and it's... It's always like we have such limited time with them that you right. and you know that they're not going to be able to talk about what the, the questions that the fans really want to know the answers to, which is like <laughs> how the series is going to end because they want right. all the spoilers. Um, yeah, but, yeah. you know, in reality, she's not going to give us that. So you right. have to kind of work with, OK, we have a limited amount of time. We know that the fans want to know something about the relationships and where all of that's going. So, like, what can you say in regards to that? Right. Now, to be fair to to the other girl that you mentioned, I would also totally be the guy that would be like, so what's with that weird ring? Right. And then everybody (laughs) would look at me and then I would be the weird one. So, yeah, you know, I I would imagine that it's a pretty intense uh, scenario there. But, yeah, (laughs) do you have a favorite color? I don't know. Maybe maybe let somebody who could ask. Wow, I'm really angry at that girl. I'm sorry. We can move (laughs) on. Do you want to do you want to set up the uh, the interview with the other two? Yeah, yeah. Um, some Paul Wesley and Candace King. Um, Paul Wesley just his interviews are so entertaining, and half of the time it's because he's he actually has been drinking beforehand, or he's said that he has. <laughs> and sometimes he just I think wants to mess with press and just say things that are completely like outrageous. Um, so you'll see that when this interview kicks off with uh, Paul Wesley and Candace King at San Diego Comic Con. What's going on? Oh. That one's cool. That's a good one. That's ending next year that we want to we hear all about. We're getting married. <laughs> Are you in June? Yeah, in June. See, he knows. No, we're getting married in June. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> it's very encouraging. I actually don't. We just keep hearing about this marriage in June. We don't know what's going on, so we're just going to go with it. Yep. Uh, you're going to wear a powder blue tux? Stephanie? Absolutely. Yeah. I like Dumb and Dumber. Yes. And I'll wear an orange dress. <laughs> It'll be great. And top hats? Yeah. And yes. canes. Yes. 
Yep. How many episodes do you think it would take for Carolina to plan her properly? Oh man, well it took me a year and a half, so and I think she's worse than me, so maybe like three seasons worth of episodes. That's a, those, those, those would be really good. I know. <laughs> be really so entertaining. Yeah. It would be in between, line. like, say yes to the dress and four weddings. It would be really entertaining. It's a chick joke. I don't know. <laughs> and I'm really, really You're on it today. I know. <laughs> well, how do you guys feel like God. the fans have gone crazy over you guys being together? Now, finally, it looks like Caroline and Stefan might get to start trying to really build something. So how do you guys feel about the reaction and the relationship? I'm just so excited. I just, <laughs> I just love it so much. And I think it's just wonderful. I think we have wonderful chemistry. Yes. And I think that it's just a beautiful relationship that is went from BFF. We were no, no, no. Yes, we were BFF. We were BFF. Then you know maybe it was more. Then you had children with another man, and now I am there. A surrogate for another man. Well, whatever. And now I am there. This is what I get to work with all the time. I am their stepfather. What do you mean? It's fantastic. <laughs> you also have what's going on with Damon and Enzo, so that's got to be a little complicated. So you start a relationship and deal with women. Yes. Caroline and Stefan's. No, because we're looking for Damon and Enzo. Oh, I thought you were dating Damon and Enzo. <laughs> yeah, Caroline's very busy. No, they're looking for Damon and Enzo. Oh, yeah, we're looking for For your character. Yeah. Stefan wants to find Damon. Yeah, he wants to find him. Because he misses him. Yes, he misses he's him. He's the best friend. He's the best friend. <laughs> and how do you think that, I mean, going into the last the last few episodes, you know, we're coming to an end. How do you think, do you think it's possible to tie up all the loose ends? How are we How are we going in? How are we trying to... I don't know. I, what would make you guys happy with, with the end? I don't know. Like, what do you think? It's weird. I was talking to Kevin and Julie. I don't know if they... I know they have ideas. I don't know if they cemented one. I actually don't have an opinion. I shift all the time. I kind of want Stefan and Damon to walk off into the sunset without, with, in the sunrise without their rings on. That'd be good. That's dark. No, it's light, actually, because the sun's rising. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, guys. So, that was Paul Wesley and Candace King. Now, to give Ted where credit is due, if he was drunk, that was pretty wetty, wit, wetty, well, I'm the one that's drunk, apparently, <laughs> that was pretty witty the way he ended that, right? He even right. dump-bumped the table. That's good. Yeah. give him credit. That was good. Yeah. No, it was, I mean, he's, he's a really fun interview because you never know what to expect and you know that it's not going to be boring. Like, if you're interviewing him, it's going to be fun. Right. Um, but I love how, like, he just... Because that was all of the, the questions that I got submitted on Twitter that fans wanted me to ask about was about the Steriline wedding. And, right. you know, earlier right. in the series, they had made references to a June wedding and all of this. And that was, like, all of... I guess every press table was was asking about this in addition to <laughs> right. ours. And so I like how he just sits down. He's like, yeah, we're getting married. <laughs> yeah. No, it was fun. They, like, I, I enjoyed both of them, too. You could tell that they I like the little moment they share you could see on your fan vault video when they just kind of glance at each other like okay I guess that one didn't connect or like whatever I don't know it's fun it's always I like I'm always fascinated by the people behind these kinds of shows that 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 part of their job ends up being dealing with all of the fanfare you know that's that's a that's a totally different muscle I feel like 
It really is. It really is. And there's um, there's definitely something that it comes across pretty well in the audio. But I think this video um, specifically is one of my favorite from from the entire convention. So if you if you enjoyed the audio, I definitely recommend checking out the video, too, because they, they have a very kind of playful chemistry with one another. That's just yep. really fun to watch. Absolutely. I concur. So nice. That's fun. Vampire Diaries finale. And are you uh, are you a big fan of that show? Um, you know, I watched it a lot in the beginning, and then I kind of fell off. It was during kind of the, um, the I guess it, it started right around or during True Blood time. True Blood yeah. was still on when it started. Yeah. Um, and I just kind of fell off of it. Um, but I still I still keep up with it and watch episodes here and there, but I haven't, um, like, I haven't seen every episode. Um, but I still think it's a good show, and I love the cast, and there's just not enough hours in the day for all the TV I want to watch <laughs> for every show that exists. Yeah, I was just curious. <laughs> yeah, Cause, uh, you know, because uh, you know, you you totally have a different perspective, and you might be like, actually, that's a pretty good show, and I would, I would, I would listen to that. But from afar, I could tell that show is not for me. But maybe you'd be like, you'd be surprised. It's a very specific audience. Um, it's definitely yeah. the the young adult, you know, CW space, and, and they do right. that genre so well. Um, and do such a great job with it. But um, it's definitely not, you know, uh, super dark like The Walking Dead or any of AMC shows or my my latest new obsession with Mr. Well, not new. I've been obsessed with Mr. Robot since last year. But um, it's it's everything that I'm enjoying right now is a lot darker and more dramatic, I think, than right. than CW would allow for one of their series well, to be. Poor containment. Well, of course, that was, that, that was CW, and it didn't That stick. was CW, and that was Julie yeah. Plack, too. Yeah. Oh, that was her. I didn't realize it was the same. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Yeah. I know. I love that show. I had really... Um, I really wish that it stayed around. Uh, such a yeah, was, such a cool show, and Chris Wood was fantastic on it. And but alas, it's alas. no longer with us. No, no. But any <laughs> second now, the good guys are going to come roaring back to be number one at the box office. So the nice guys. The nice guys. The good guys is an electronic <laughs> store that doesn't exist anymore. I knew where you were going. I knew where yeah, you were so going. Well, the good guys will be back. We could go buy a VCR, and then the nice guys will be number one at the box office. <laughs> Well, speaking of number one at the box office, somehow Suicide Squad is still in first. Um, wow. And maybe that's just because it wasn't, there wasn't a lot of serious competition at the box office this weekend. Um, but it was the third week for, for the, the film to be out, and it made uh, $20.7 million. It came in first with $20.7 million this weekend. So that alone shows you it wasn't a very strong box office weekend. Right. Um, but that brings the film's current... Uh, total to 262.3 million across the last three weeks. Um, Sausage Party came in second with 15.3 million, while Jonah Hill and Miles Teller's new film War Dogs debuted in third with 14.3 million. Fourth, um, we had Kubo and Two Strings, which is an animated adventure movie with uh, Charlize Theron, Matthew McConaughey, and Rooney Mara. And Disney's Pete's Dragon fell to fifth in its second week with 11.3 million. And normally I don't go beyond fifth place, but um, since we're reviewing Ben Hur this week, it seemed like maybe we should talk about how that <laughs> stacked up. Um, not yeah. well. It's not. It's not good. <laughs> um, it came in um, in sixth place. It opened with 11.2 million. 
and overseas it grossed 10.7 million for a global debut of 22 million, um, wow. performing the best in Mexico and Brazil as far as the the international markets. Um, but it was a really, ex- I mean, a hundred million dollar budget um, production budget, and of course it was panned. It was panned by critics, and some of them actually labeled it the worst film of the year. And I wouldn't go that far. Oh um, wow! It it definitely had some problems, but um, you know, as far we've seen this really all year, all of these sequels and remakes, it's just not been going well. Um, yeah. And that's even something uh, Vice Chairman of Paramount, uh, Rob Moore, even commented on that. And uh, uh, 95% of the movie-going audience that saw Ben-Hur was over the age of 25, and the film actually skewed a little bit more towards the female audience at 51%. <laughs> but um, meanwhile, sa- Sausage Party is being seen by everyone under 25. So it's, uh, <laughs> it's you know, it's... Um, and there was a fair amount of promotion for Ben-Hur, too. There was um, tons of TV spots and billboards, and it had a lot of visibility, but it just Well, and, didn't. you know, obviously, I haven't, obviously haven't seen it, but, but it kind of did that thing that seems to happen when they remake these movies. It's like, well, now it's like a movie that's epic, but just epic in computer land, and it just, it just feels different. Like, what was that movie that just fell on its face, Gods and Kings, or Gods of Egypt? Or whatever, it just looked like a video game, right? I, yeah, like, the, the stuff that, you know, you just don't. I mean, the original Ben Hur is such an epic classic, and I think my mom told me it was actually. I think that movie, and uh, do not quote me on this. This is a story my mother told me, so I can quote my mother. So I haven't fact checked <laughs> it, but she said Ben Hur was the movie that made them start being super strict. The original Ben Hur about like animal rights on set, because apparently horses and stuff died in that movie. It was like really oh, wow. tough on horses and stuff behind the scenes. I have not been right. that at all, so I'm just spreading lies. But uh, <laughs> but 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 still, when you watch that movie, you can kind of feel the scope and you can feel the weight and the power of it. And I don't know. I do think there's a certain moment where you're like, oh, it's all computer. I don't really care. You know, I don't know. Right. What it, maybe maybe that's not true. But I'd, I'd I'd love to know your thoughts. Haven't actually seen the film. Yeah, yeah. Uh, let me give a kind of brief description for it in case um, anyone hasn't seen it. Uh, it's of course. Uh, it's actually been made. This was the fifth adaptation of the novel Ben Hur: A Tale of Christ, and of course, oh, wow. most famously, the the one that you mentioned, the uh, 1959 version with Charlton Heston, uh, won yeah. a record 11 Academy Awards, including Best Picture that year. Um, our our 2016 version has been billed as kind of a reimagining of that, that aimed to stay a little bit more true to the the faith based source material. Uh, um, so the actual story, of course, um, Ben-Hur, a prince falsely accused of treason by his adopted brother, uh, Masala, an officer in the Roman army, stripped of his title, separated from his family and the woman he loves, Judah is forced into slavery. After years at sea, Judah returns to his homeland to seek revenge, but finds redemption, um, of course, based on the timeless novel, also stars Morgan Freeman and, um... Rodego Santoro, probably butchering that name. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's the Atlas. So, yep. um, but um, yeah, it's uh, oh, where to start? Um, you know, I so, will say so that you were bored. You were not bored. Were you bored? In parts, I was. Yeah, okay. it's um, it was a very odd 
pacing of the film. It started out very fast, and then it was very slow, and then it was very fast again. And it's really, um, if it had been more even, I think we would have had the opportunity to kind of flesh out more of the characters, and there would have been more of a chance for the film to, I think, have felt more epic instead of really so poorly constructed. Um, Really, with all the characters, we barely scratched the surface. You know, there's just not any real character development. Even with the first act, the pacing is so fast that we don't really get the chance to know the characters and their dynamics enough for there to really be powerful arcs throughout the rest of the film. Um, So it's... um, and, and it all starts with the screenplay. There was it was a it was a weak screenplay, and you know I think the actors did the best they could with it. And I do like that there was um, obviously a rather timely message in terms of tolerance and forgiveness. And right. um, I think that that was you know that was a nice note to it. But the screenplay, um, it was just the cast didn't have most really anything to work with, and most of the actors. Um, uh, Morgan Freeman, especially, you know, solid in his role, but it just wasn't, there were, wasn't any standout or truly mesmerizing performance from right. any of the cast, and that wasn't right. the cast's fault. So, yeah, um, sometimes if you start with an uneven screenplay, what, so were you rolling your eyes a lot, or was it just kind of like, just like, just things um, weren't connecting? It wasn't necessarily cheesy, it's just like, wait, what's happening? What, why isn't this having weight it's supposed to have? Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, it's supposed to be a, a pretty epic movie, and we're seeing it, of course, in, in 3D. And, um, of course, it's supposed to be even, you know, more big and amazing in 3D. And all I was thinking about the entire time was, like, um, you know, what's the real takeaway from this movie being in 3D? What What's right. cool about that? And all I could really think about was, like, I felt like I had sand everywhere. Like, there's so much sand, like, flying everywhere. And, like, when you're watching that in 3D, you just feel like you need to, like, take a shower when you leave because you've been at the beach all day or something and you've just got sand all over you. One of my favorite things to do is to leave a movie very chafed. That sounds perfect. (laughs) Right? Um, But uh, it just wasn't... um, It didn't feel epic. It felt choppy and uneven. And I just... We didn't, like I said... scratched the surface on any of the characters to a degree that made you uh, feel sympathetic really towards any of them. Right. Um, obviously with um, with our lead, Juna Ben-Hur, um, it was, you feel sympathetic towards him, but aside from that, it's, um, it just feels very, everything feels kind of pieced together and like it doesn't belong together. Right. Well, that's, you know, that's a bummer because when I first saw the marketing for it, I'm like, oh, maybe maybe that'll be kind of cool if, if they do that right. It'll be good for an update. But it just still feels like anytime, like I'm, I'm looking at the poster right now in front of me and I'm like, ah, I'm just going to go watch Gladiator because that was a right? really good this movie, you know? Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. It has so been I, a while, too, since I've seen the, the 1959 version. And so I, I kind of want to go back and, and compare the two in terms of just how how they transitioned from certain yeah. Certain story and and two with this one wanting to stay closer to um, or more true to the the source material from a, right. a faith perspective how that actually compares because um, I'm not I'm not really sure how that compares so uh, it'd be kind of cool to go back and compare that but um, I just I don't it just wasn't good yeah so. well so <laughs> what would you give it overall what what, what rating does Ben Hur get from Emma mm. uh, it's gonna get a 
Just an eh. Just an ah. Just an eh. All right, well, you know, hopefully, yeah. and this is a weird, horrible thing to say, but but hopefully um, they'll stop making these damn stupid movies, right? And then, yeah, and then maybe I other mean, movies that didn't get made because of all the money that was vested in this big special effect bonanza can get made right. and we can start seeing good movies again. Right. I mean, that aren't you from know Marvel what? Studios. <laughs> <laughs> Marvel's got it down, and I have I no problems with sequels and all of that yeah. in their department. But I think everyone else needs to like chill it on the sequels and the remakes, and let's get some awesome original content. And you know, let's let's have Hollywood putting their budgets towards that. Right. Right. Well, and uh, one interesting thing, too, and I, it, it just came to mind, so I'll bring it up. Um, when you talk about, like, oh, it's more sensitive to the source material, more close to the source material, I don't know if that's always a good thing. Like, Stephen King is famously known for disliking Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, so much so that mm. they did, like, a made-for-TV version of that, and guess what wasn't near as good as Stanley Kubrick's version of The Shining, you know? So it is right. kind of interesting. It's like, even the author's like, ah, that movie's not at all what I pictured, but... For those who weren't so close to the source material, we're like, well, that was still a pretty flippin' good movie. So, and up till right. now, I was giving you credit for that, Stephen King, and now I just don't know. I mean, and it then, is interesting when you, anytime you, you go into it with a, an idea of what it should be, whether it's a remake and you love the original or you've read the book and, you know, you're hoping that the book's going to live up to the, or the film's going to live up to the book. You just yeah. never know, and, and those pre-existing yeah. expectations can will, I would say, almost always make it not as good as it would have been had you not had that, that idea beforehand right. of what it should right. be. You know, the one exception, and, I, and it goes back to Stephen King, is I actually liked the movie better than the book, Misery. Really? Yeah, that's... Uh, oh, I don't for know, Misery, I don't know. okay. Yeah, for Misery, yeah. that I actually liked the movie better than the book, because I, I saw the movie, and then I went back to read the book, and I was like, mm, you know what, all that extra stuff kind of didn't feel like I needed for the core story of the movie. So, anyways, I digress. That's that's obviously a classic, but, but yeah, Misery. <laughs> Same with Shawshank Redemption. That was a much better movie than short story. I haven't read that. I've yeah, seen it, obviously, but I haven't. I haven't read it. Um, there's, you know, so many. So I, usually, if there is a film coming out and I've not already read the book, I will stay clear of it, so I don't have any idea <laughs> right. going into it. Um, right. And I have some friends that kind of try to, and they do that with trailers. They won't watch a trailer for a film going into it because, and sometimes that's that's really smart. Like, uh, for example, with Comic Con, if you watch right. the the trailer they had for Preacher, you knew how the show was going to end for the season. Um, so, and there's a lot of movies that do that too. You know, they'll put all the funny moments in the, the trailer or they'll, you can tell how it ends because of the trailer. Right. And um, it's, I don't know. I mean, it, I think it's hard to avoid trailers, but uh, I think anytime you can kind of go in with no um, expectations, it's usually a better experience. I agree. It it can be more fun. Yeah. Expectations in general with movies and media is tough because you, you hear everybody say, it's the best movie ever, and then you see it, and it's like, no, it wasn't. And then you hear everybody yeah. tell you a certain movie sucks, you go in, and you're like, actually, that's pretty good. It, it's it's magical how it always seems to come out the other way, at least for me. Exactly. Everyone's different. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that was that was perfect. It was very Mr. Rogers of you. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I try. Nice. Um, 
But yeah, that's all we have for this week. Of course, um, next week we'll have a bunch of wait, wait, fun wait. Before stuff. you continue, before you continue, will there be any surprises next week, Emma? There, there will be some surprises next oh, week. Oh, great! Well, maybe I'll listen. Yeah, yeah, you should listen. It's not just going to be boring. <laughs> you should not listen. Good deal. <laughs> I love what you did there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That was a callback. <laughs> um. Yeah, we're definitely going to have um, some surprises next week, in large part because I don't know what all the outline's going to hold up yet. So, um, okay, nice, nice. It'll be a surprise to me, too. <laughs> but, we're, we're gonna be t- I know a lot of Dragon Con stuff is coming, which is exciting. A lot so. of Dragon Con stuff, yeah. Um, it's it's going to be super cool. And then, of course, we still have um, some off- awesome Walking Dead stuff leading into the new season and a few other interviews and surprises and Atlanta film goodness up our sleeves. Uh, so. So that's all coming. Nice. Very cool. I have one thing I would like to give a shout out to that uh, sure. it has nothing to do with Atlanta. And I want to make sure I know. Uh, so on September 2nd, so there'll be, uh, yeah, we'll have another uh, episode before then. But season two of Narcos is coming out. And I have to get a, uh, give a shout out to a good friend of mine who's playing a pretty big role in that season. So we're all very excited to see that uh, be released. So, Narcos, if you haven't seen the first season, it's not a family-friendly show, and there's a lot of reading involved because it's in the Espanol, but uh, pretty damn good show. So I'm, I'm pretty stoked to see season two coming, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Look for Mr. That's Eric cool. Lang in that show because he, he's, he's awesome, and he's got a short little beat in the trailer, so I'm very excited to see him in all of his acting glory. That's awesome. I just got an email from Netflix today about it. I think it was uh, key art was released or some sort of art or images were released. So uh have to see yeah. if I can find your friend in there. And there you go. Yeah. Well, he, he's this again. This is Radzinski from Lost. So it's the same guy. Oh, yeah. Then I'll find him. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> he's Lost. easy to spot. <laughs> he's easy to spot. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, cool. Um, that's it for us this week, you guys. Thank you for listening. Again, my name is Emma Loggins, Editor-in-Chief with FanBolts. And I'm Ja'Kai Mickelson. Uh, good Lord. Word user. Uh, <laughs> and I'm Atlanta. Wow. And I'm Atlanta Movie Tours, <laughs> and I work for Ja'Kai. That's what I do. Um, <laughs> and I'm Ja'Kai Mickelson with Atlanta Movie Tours. And it's good to be and- back. Thanks, thanks for welcoming me back. You know what we need to encourage our users to do, and not only in celebration of you being back, but also in celebration of our 21st episode, we (laughs) challenge all of our listeners that are of age, because, you know, drinking, you should be 21. Um, You all should go have a shot right now in honor of the Atlas podcast turning 21. I think that's a brilliant idea. And then don't drive for a while. And don't Don't do it while you're in a car. But yeah, just go get completely snuckered and blame it on the Atlas. It'll be cool. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) We'll see you guys next week.